What we'll be talking about today is this idea of above the line. Now, you hopefully you've seen some of my other videos about uh, rising above the line. And I recognize that there's some challenges with this because if we're in stress mode or protective mode, it's very difficult to think about going above the line. It's, it's like we need psychological air. And I give the example, if somebody's drowning in a pool of water, it doesn't matter what pull strategy you have. There's nothing that they want more than air. Lifeguards are taught that they've got to sometimes neutralize that person to keep from getting pushed under themselves because the person is fighting so hard to to get that air. I see a resemblance to that in life when we're going through what I call the need for psychological air. So in the zone, we're talking about uh, what's going on. And in that zone, we have the upper limit and we have the lower limit. And the upper limit in crossing it may feel the same because we're going to get into some challenges internally because it's different. And we're going to talk about that in the context of how going how it's different than when you're going below the lower limit. So think about it like this. The upper limit is a barrier, an artificial barrier that gets us concerned that if we cross it, bad things will happen. The lower limit is that line that when we've fallen behind it, and we have references for this, bad things do happen. People lose their jobs or they lose relationships. So there, is refer there are references for the below the line part that, that occurs. So we want to make a distinction, and I'm big on labeling things, because if we label feelings and emotions, we then can distinguish between them, and we, don't, we, we arrest some of that spiraling that happened. In this case, that spiraling is unwarranted oftentimes. There's oftentimes people think that there's some external factor that's causing this descent, and then a descent can turn into a spiral. If you list, when you listen to my podcast, episode 18 talks about the woo-woo gap. I, I call it collapsing the woo-woo gap. And the idea is that when people walk around and say, oh, it's the universe, I manifested this and these terminologies, I don't have anything against that. But what, what can happen is somebody who's not as deeply into this, they can think of that woo-woo gap getting pretty wide. If there's 10 units across that woo-woo gap, I would argue that nine of them are not external at all that's happening from inside. That's huge because if you're thinking that it's all the universe, then you don't know that, you can't explain it, you can't understand it, you can't see it. Both of those limits uh, involve different, different factors. When you're going above that, we're going to run into this feeling, it's brain fog, that things are not right and it causes us some concern and a lot of times we drop back down. On the other hand, when you're, going, when you're going towards that lower limit, you're going down there, we can get some of that same feeling. It, it, fe it could feel the same. And when you go below it, now that's the same. I, if you had caught me two years ago when I first started working through this seven fitness series as a way to help people shift from have, do, be, to be, do, have, and to be able to get into a place. And there is an end, end game with this. The end game is that in order to access these tools and powers that people have been talking about for two centuries, more, more than that. But to access it, you have to have some other things that are in place. And so I want to deal with the nine tenths of this space that's not woo-woo, that's not in the external realm. I want to deal with the, what's internal so we can control that because to the degree that you are in charge of that and those powerful present moments, that's the degree to which you'll be able to access some of what the mystics call this next level, right? And so 
when you fall below that line, so we got the upper limit and the lower limit. When you fall below that lower limit and we're trying to get back up, that's trying to get above the line again. And it's a whole nother set. I, if you had told me that working to get above the lower limit line is the same as working to get a, a, above the upper limit line, I would have told you, yeah, it's, it's very similar. Not even close, not even close. Let's look at this here. We've got, I've got the upper limit and you're familiar. I've got the lower limit. And just for a quick review, as we start moving above the upper limit, we have this phenomena that goes on, on where your lows get higher, but you haven't cleared the line, your lows get higher. And then when you go to those other videos, you'll talk about what goes on here because actually up above this line is a, it's not a line, it's a barrier. And this barrier has some challenges in there that we have to overcome. And that's the real work. On the other hand, if I draw it going the other way, and we're moving along, we're going along this thing, and the other, it happens in the reverse, right? The highs get lower, and this is where we start getting nervous. If you think about being in sales or as a business owner, and these, there's just things, there's always stuff happening, right? Life is never never going to be just so because it's it's life it's moving it's just like the same way you have to take care of your lawn every year the same way you have to take care of your garden and 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 take that maintenance the same thing is going to happen when we drop below that line three things can happen right you can you can spiral down you can correct and come back up or you can turn it around before you even go below the line these two are obvious what we want to do. We don't want to have that one. And I'm not so f against this dipping in there and coming back up. It's the same thing that a seed has to do when we talk about seed time and harvest. It has to drop down. It stops being itself. It becomes something else. It transforms. It uses its own energy plus the energy of the soil and the nutrients, etc. Oxygen and then or carbon dioxide. And then it's able to grow into a tree. So we have to have some of that. But here's what's going on. So if I call this upper area, so this is the upper limit. And this is the lower limit. What you have starting here, but really accelerating here, is cognitive dissonance. And what we have here with the lower limit, although it may feel the same, we have stress and anxiety. Now there's a huge difference between these two. With the upper limit, crossing the upper limit, and we have the cognitive dissonance, there are, yes, there are beliefs and there are habits of thought and patterns, etc., that keep us believing that something bad is going to happen, that we can't cross this, and that's why we keep getting knocked back down. When you have the stress and anxiety and you're dropping down, what's going on here is these are real references. So it's the difference between there's definite things you can point to in the physical realm that have happened when somebody spirals down below that line and why it's so hard to get back up. They've lost their life, their entire life savings. They've lost the momentum that comes from having that heavy that nice healthy balance sheet they they're now depressed they don't have the energy there's all sorts of things that they can point to that happen below this line making it much more difficult those are not in existence here we don't have things where people were not generally speaking people were not you know blown up because they were crossing that line so the way i look at it is if you taken any psychology courses or whatever we've got these and, and think about monkeys or rats, right? And these are, let's call these the tiles. So, you know, you've got these experiments where they put tiles in the cage, and this is a way to test how hard will the monkey or the rat work to get food and, 
and and you know they've shown that if you electrify some of these tiles but not others the monkeys will learn their way to move around and not get on a, a electrified tile and they'll keep learning and then what and, and some of this stuff is cruel so i use it as examples because it points out why the experimenting was done i'm not advocating it but we have the information i'm not going to not talk about it just because it was cruel but what they would do is they would close and the tiles would be different colors by the way so they could move the monkey into another cage and it's already learned the behavior that red tiles are electrified and green tiles are okay but then when you start electrifying some of the green tiles it will learn but then they would electrify more and more and more where there were no there was only one tile and the monkeys would literally have symptoms of, of losing their mind another a similar experiment they took rats and they had these rats that forgot how they set it up, but the rats would get a dopamine hit if they were able to cross this area and pull the lever or if they were to able to do certain things. Or maybe a light would light up on the other side and when that light lights up, they would cross it, pull the lever, they would get a dopamine hit. These rats literally crossed those electrified tiles until they couldn't walk anymore. They literally burned their feet basically into a place where they couldn't be used to get across just to get that dopamine hit. It shows you how powerful dopamine is. And as an aside, if you're a leader, business owner, or you in some way working with other people to achieve more, and you're not paying attention to what goes on with dopamine and serotonin in the context of personal development and achievement, you're missing the boat. You're leaving a lot on the table because this is what it all comes down to. The power of dopamine is the same neurotransmitter that enables the hunter-gatherer ancestors to go out in the Serengeti to get food knowing that there were tigers out there, knowing that they could die. But the dopamine was strong enough to go out there and do it anyway. This is the same thing that's causing these rats to burn their feet off. It's very sad, but it's, it's a powerful uh, understanding. Back to the example. In thinking about going above the line, the cognitive dissonance that, that comes, it's because we believe, we have a perception that there's electrified tiles. This is why I call it false evidence appearing real. Yes, these tiles looked like what we learned from zero to seven that would hurt us if we went past it. Yes, the tiles look like that. Whereas when you're going into stress and anxiety, you have real references that you can point to. So one is imaginary, one is is real. This is why when you reach out to those fears, when you're moving above the line and you reach out, you do these different exercises where you reach out to this object of fear, this thing where your fear is coming from, it dissolves. It dissolves because it's not really there. And so in other words, you can step on those tiles. Those tiles are not electrified. So the cognitive dissonance when you're going above the upper limit is just fog, brain fog, it's confusion. It's, this is not supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be in pain. Why am I not in pain? Where's the pain coming from? Every day you're waking up thinking it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. That actually slows down your progress. A more effective way of recognizing, this is why you name it. You name it cognitive dissonance. And now you realize, oh, that's that cognitive dissonance again. Neuroplasticity is actually being done at that time. So neuroplasticity is the elimination of synapse between old neural pathways because that synapse fluid, that neurotransmitter has to be used in a new neural pathways. That's why creating a new habit is much better done by, repl by, by replacing the old habit rather than trying to break the old habit. Because when you try to break the old habit, you're dealing with changing neurons that could be wrapped with myelin. Whereas when you're replacing it and you layer on a new neural pathway, the neurotransmitter self-eliminates, for lack of a better term. It's called synaptogenesis. But that's what's happening as through this cognitive dissonance, which is why it's so 
such a brain fog feeling. But if you go to bed, if you withhold judgment and say, you know what, it's time for me to stop working. Let me go do something else. I'll go for a walk, do some exercise, just whatever. Just do something, cook a meal, whatever your hobby is, paint the picture. Go to bed and wake up the next day. You'll find you have breakthroughs. You have breakthrough ideas because the neuroplasticity happened, the new neural pathways connected. And now you see things differently because that barrier is no longer there. Now you have freedom of action. And this is how that process works as you go above the line. On the other hand, when you're going down, you have stress and anxiety. You have real pictures. If I ask you, yeah, can you give, yeah, we've all seen homeless people. We've all seen people lose their jobs and never recover. We've all seen people lose their life savings. We've all, we've seen these things. You can, you can Google it and you can find stories about it, but try to find stories about the person who was rising above the line and, and, and got shot because they crossed some imaginary barrier. Now, that's maybe a bad example. My point, is, my point being is that one is, is false, evidence appearing real. The other one is real. But because we don't label them differently, it's very easy to think about them the same. They are not the same. This is the cognitive dissonance, and one foot in front of the other, keep doing the, 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 the steps, uh, mindfulness, paying attention, powerful present moment, one foot in front of the other, keeping perspective, uh, working with somebody who can give you some, help you with perspective, whereas this one is different. You need to turn this around, there's some urgency. There's not a time element here, per se, right? I can say it's going to take the time it takes. You've heard, you may have heard me say it takes three to nine months. That's this process up here of trying to work through this, this ebb and flow and ebb and flow and ebb and flow as we, as we keep pushing through it. It's the same way a tree grows. And if you ever looked at a tree that's grown through the fence, the tree grows through the fence and then comes back together and keeps on growing on the other side. It's amazing. So now the fence is part of the tree and that's this ebb and flow. You're going to run into obstacles, but you just keep going, you keep going. And just like that tree gets to the other side, we can get to the other side as well. On the other hand, when you, where you have the stress and anxiety with that lower limit, this is real. You've actually have things you can point to. So here, there's no references. No references. Here, there's plenty of references. It doesn't mean that this is impossible. What it means is we need different strategies. So I started out in talking about the, the cells, or I've talked about it before, that the human cell, when it's in protective mode, which is what you would be in as a human as you're going down here, you're in protective mode. The configuration of a cell in protective mode is not able to go after nutrients and food. It's just the way it is. The configuration literally changes. This is why they say you can't create great plans from a place of despair. This is why gratitude is so important to get you back into more of a positive mode. On, so cognitive dissonance, because it's not real, you're not going into protective mode. You still have your capabilities. Here, you're going into protective mode, but maybe you don't have to be going into protective mode. Maybe all it is is a bit of bad news that's not even real. All of us have had that, that happen where you get some bad news and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is it, it's over, and you find out it was a mistake. But yet you had all that pain and anxiety and it wasn't even real, but it didn't matter. Your depth of anxiety was still strong. So by reframing, there's some tools we'll talk about in the next one. There's some different things that we can do to help this turn happen, because that's really ideally what you want to have happen is to have this turn and come back up. In fact, you want it, you don't want to wait that long. You want to catch it here, right? You want to get back up there. And then once, once you, the nice thing is once you cross up here above the line, this stuff is not happening anymore because you don't have those references. You, it's, it's a different world up here 
and your unconscious is there's more that it's dealing with. It's dealing with the conditioning from zero to seven. It's piling on all your past mistakes and things that have happened in the twenties and the thirties. It's remembering all of that. Whereas when you get up here, it just doesn't have the you don't have those neural pathways of bad stuff that's happened from up here, so you're free of that. But another topic. Uh, so let's label it. You have, and then and then here's the the label I'm going to leave you with, and we'll start here next time. On the upswing, when it's cognitive dissonance that you're working through, that we're going to call what you need here are em empowerment catalysts. Empowerment catalysts are those things that keep you going. Sometimes it's what a coach does. A coach does, or maybe it's your if you've had a personal training, you've experienced this. They they are basically an empowerment catalyst. They are giving you the tools. They give, they're switching up your routine. They're giving you other things. They're giving you dietary, nutrition. They're giving you these different things to get you through these different levels. Empowerment catalyst is what we're going to call them. Whereas here, what we have is resistance factors. These resistance factors are keeping us from reaching turning it around. And then some of those resistance factors can actually become spiral accelerators, much the same way dehydration will cause impaired performance. Too much dehydration can cause death. So dehydration is a bad thing. A little bit of dehydration, you start to notice it. A lot of dehydration, your performance is impaired. Too much dehydration and you're dead. So uh, the same way a resistance factor can expand into something greater than just the resistance factor, it can turn into an accelerator or resistance magnifier. So that's that piece. There's one more thing I want to tell you, and that's this. If you look at these two together and you look at it as a continuum and I'm moving along and then this space here is when I start to run into resistance factors at that place right there. And as we run into these resistance factors, it can feel like there's some external influence going on. There's something external. People are out to get me. The haters are, are working against me. My boss doesn't like me. Uh, the, the state's out to get me. The politicians on the other side controlling the narrative, whatever it is, this looks like it's something from external. But I will tell you that what's happening in here is us. Now, there are some other external things, but we don't want to deal with the external because you can't control that. You can't control the external. So the first thing we have to do is do everything in our power to make that work. And to get through the other side, we have to neutralize those resistance factors and turn them around and start using empowerment catalysts. The amount of you on this side, the amount of you in the middle, and the amount of you coming out of it, it's all you. Yes, there are going to be external things, but I would suggest the majority of time when a person goes through this and drops down below... And I'm not talking about mental health. I'm talking about in business and in sales and these things that are manageable. People have a, a, a slump, right? A salesperson goes into a slump. I would say there's very little that occurs outside of them and a lot that occurs that they're actually doing themselves. So we're going to leave it there. We'll pick up with resistance factors and empowerment catalysts next time and start to build some, some language around those because what I want to get into is how do you diffuse these? So there's reframing. We don't want to suppress because it's energy. And if you suppress energy, it doesn't get destroyed. It just transforms into something else. You don't know where it's coming out. It's going to be like playing whack-a-mole. And sometimes where it comes out is worse than where it was. So we don't want to suppress. You want to transform. And one of the ways to transform energy is you first diffuse it. And then you can put it back together in a way that works for you. So we're going to start there. And I'm going to remind, I want to talk about kinetic energy.
because in a quantum view, everything is, is atoms. And if everything is atoms, you understand that thought is energy and it's all part of the same system. And so we're going to look at it from a kinetic energy standpoint and then talk about these factors. So until next time, have fun. Cheers. For more content like this focused on profitable growth, follow me on Facebook at NeuroChange Innovations.